Hey everybody, welcome back to Radio Imbibe from Imbibe Magazine. I'm Paul Clark, Imbibe's Editor-in-Chief, and before we get into this episode, I just want to bang our own drum for a moment and announce that last week, Radio Imbibe was among the top 10 nominees for the Spirited Awards from Tales of the Cocktail, in the category of Best Broadcast, Podcast, or Online Video Series. So a quick thank you to everyone who makes this podcast a part of your regular listening regimen. We're really honored to have your support. Now, if you've been following cocktail culture or the hospitality industry for any length of time, then you are no doubt well aware of Speedrack, the annual series of bartending competitions taking place in multiple cities and now in multiple countries, in which women bartenders test their skills while raising money for charities supporting breast cancer research. The final regular competition for Season 10 of Speedrack took place just last week in Puerto Rico, and the national finals are lined up for July 24th in New Orleans. And this year there's a new twist, Speedrack Redemption. To find out more about the past 10 seasons of Speedrack, this season's grand finale, and the charities Speedrack supports, for this episode we're chatting with Speedrack founders and New York City bartenders Lynette Marrero and Ivy Mix. Ivy and Lynette, thanks so much for being on the Radio Imbibe podcast. Thanks for having us. It's exciting to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I want to chat with you both because anybody who's anybody in the cocktails and hospitality space is aware of Speedrack. It's the bartending competition which the two of you founded to raise funding for charities supporting breast cancer research in 2011. Now, if we discount a year for COVID-related shutdowns, then that brings us to season 10. You know, it's like the creative <laughs> math that we're yeah. doing now. <laughs> we took a gap yeah. year. Yeah, <laughs> the gap year. Uh, and, and you're wrapping up season 10 right now. You just had an event... Uh, in Puerto Rico, and you're going to have your national finals in New Orleans in July. Now, when you first started this event in 2011, did you ever think you'd still be talking about it now, 11 years later? <laughs> no, I think uh, Ivy and I for sure did not imagine its vision. We took it year by year and step by step and city by city. And, you know, the community, we even especially, you know, during COVID, when we looked at um, what it meant to a take a gap year and be quiet um, for that time was what else can we do for this community because the community was so active so we jumped into some things like mentorship um, and ran a few other programs um, but you know I, but even during that time we had other countries reaching out for what we do as speed rack and we quarterback those remotely because we couldn't travel to those places because of COVID restrictions and I think that was what was really impactful that you know, the work isn't done if communities still need uh, what we're bringing. What the camaraderie means, uh, you know, as we just said, we just finished Puerto Rico and, and the sense of that community now feeling like they're part of a larger community and growing that globally has been has been really uh, incredible and very satisfying professionally. Yeah, I think that, you know, Speed Rack, when we started it, we just started the one, right? We were like, we're going to do this event and we... We'll see what happens. And the first event, Lynette looked at me and she was like, uh, I think we're onto something here. And I was like, I think we are also onto something here. And then that turned into our first U.S. national tour. And then we did 10 of those tours. And kind of like any good idea, if it's good, it kind of takes you for the ride, like not the other way around. And yeah, you know, the last few years have been strange. And we took a gap year and we did a bunch of stuff with speed rack that I don't think we ever thought we'd do like so much so many other parts of our industry that took a different tact and I think we're both really happy with our speed rack is right now and where we're going 
And I want to talk about that gap year here in a moment. But first, could you just take us back in time? You know, we, we had you as part of our Imbibe 75 many years ago when Speed Rack was still <laughs> in its early days. Uh, but take us back in time to the origin story of Speed Rack and why and how you, you started this event. So it all started off basically Lynette and I, I had known Lynette. She was the president of something called LUTEC, Ladies United for the Preservation of Endangered Cocktails. And I was a member. Um, and I had gotten the idea of kind of just a bare bones, um, let's make a bartending competition with women on a sailing trip in the San Francisco Bay. Um, and Rachel Shaw and I, who's a great bartender out in California, were kind of just joking about making like a mock competition pretty much making fun of the fact that no one had women working for them. Like, isn't it so funny? We'll make this competition and it'll all be kind of like campy and like, haha, here's your women. If you couldn't find them, here they are. Um, and then I saw Lynette doing some amazing charity work with, with Lupec and then some other things. And then we actually happened to be in the same bar for the Super Bowl, which is odd. Um, I'm not a particularly big football fan and I don't think Lynette particularly is either, but there we were. And we decided that we were going to, so she sat down next to me and I was like, you know what? Like, I can't believe I never told you this idea. It's not very big, but I have a name it's called Speed Rack. It's just for female bartenders to like support us because apparently we don't exist. And would you, like, would you want to do that with me? I also want to be for charity because I've been inspired by the other things that you've done for charity. And she was like, great, this sounds amazing. I have lots of connections. Uh, let's meet next week. So we started Speed Rack, um, and that was over 11 and a half years ago. Um, you know, we had our first event. We took basically the idea of let's raise a bunch of money for breast cancer and raise a platform for women in our industry while we're at it. And, you know, I've participated as a volunteer and a judge at Speed Rack for a number of years now. And one of the things that's been really cool to observe over the years is how Speed Rack functions on a number of different levels. I mean, you know, as mentioned, it's to raise funding for charities supporting breast cancer research. Uh, and I want to come to back back to that in a minute. But there's also an empowerment factor and an engagement factor for the women who participate. And there are initiatives you've done in various aspects of the hospitality community and in the cities where these events take place. How do you piece all of these elements together as, as you've put this together over the years? Oh, I mean, it was kind of a bit of, I think, originally, we, we were looking at, you know, because like Ivy said, I was doing these uh, events, and we were taking over a lot of spaces where women weren't in in the cocktail bars and, and netting a charity element. Uh, when we decided to like put it literally on stage, it was about pulling from all the exciting things we had seen, you know, and I, you know, we always take a lot of from the chef world, right? The bartenders and craft bartenders, I think we followed an arc and I think the same issues we followed have also followed the same arc. Um, and so putting it in a competition vibe saying, all right, these women do this every night behind the bar. We've seen them. They're working really hard. They're cranking out in service wells and they can talk to four people who are sitting there well while making 70 drinks for the rest, you know, of the rest of the room. And how do we make a competition that showcases exactly what it means to be a craft bartender right now and to give these women an opportunity to show what they do and how they do that and give this, you know, almost make it this job interview where it's, you know, one for other women and the women we reached out to and begged to do the competition were women who we knew who were doing, um, doing it and making it um, and asking them to go on stage and show others so that way we could inspire the other women who were maybe working in bars who wanted to find a way to find community and to 
feel that they could go out for the job at the popular cocktail bar and say, hey, I'm doing this. And so that's what that became as this like showcase for that and using that kind of chef idea of like, all right, it's kind of like these shows. Everyone, you know, you have a challenge for them. They go up, they complete the challenge and you add timing. So just kind of coming up with that idea of, you know, how do you train your bartenders? You have them run rounds and you time them because you're like, all right, look guys, we have to get our, our tickets down to a certain amount of time. And that was a practice of, of happening in bars when you're like, all right, let's, let's run rounds. And that's, we just kind of put it together, and so it was a it was a great way. And then filming it was a an important way of also of of ex, of giving it a broader exposure and being able to bring that idea of if uh, other women can see these women up there, that it would inspire them to also want to be up there. And then that became the biggest initiative, as well as people then being like, "Wow, these are incredible bartenders, and we need to hire them." So all that kind of came together at once. Yeah, I mean, I think what Lynette said is right on, you know, like feedback started in its essence as, you know, us going into these bars and being like, where are all the women at? And people being like, we don't know any. And now here you go. Here's a stage full of, full of us, you know, <laughs> and watching it through the years grow and how like it's literally a rising tide raises all ships. Like one generation of women did it that you have to do it to their people they work with. And now, you know, after a decade, you have a lot of people of different generations coming and partaking, and it's just kind of, it's just mentorship. Now, you both live in New York, and, and you know, you start this in New York, and you do this in a select number of cities, but as it expanded, uh, as it started taking off, and, you know, first across the country, and then into other, other countries, how has this resonated as you ventured further and further from home, and what kinds of experiences uh, and, and things have you heard from competitors and participants uh, over the years, especially as you range further away? So I think what's interesting is, you know, the U.S. is the incubator country, right? So we started here in 2011, and we started doing events. And, and funnily enough, the first country that really was uh, one of the first countries uh, besides was the U.K. and Canada uh, who really reached out. And, you know, we did our event up in Seattle, and Vancouver's not so far away. So I think it was like the second or third year, uh, Lauren Moat energized a whole team of, of bartenders from Vancouver and asked if they could enter the U.S. comp. Uh, so they did. So Kelsey Ramage was in that time. Danny Tatarin, who's now in Mexico. And it was just a really crazy situation where you had the, them wanting to compete. And we're like, okay, well, we let them in the U.S. one, but we really actually should do one in uh, Vancouver. And we did. We did a Canadian uh, finals. And then the U.K. also kind of simultaneously what happened, I think, because New York and London, especially in the beginning of the craft cocktail movement, we're always looking at each other and sharing ideas of like, how are we both progressing in our own different ways? And so there was opportunities that we were going to like London Cocktail Week and you know, these different events. So we started bringing Speed Rack over there. So you kind of saw different challenges in each of the different countries. And then every year, it's it's funny because when you would go to a new city, so when we were traveling to the new cities, I feel like what's happened now is the growth of the cocktail movement across the U.S. has incrementally gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's almost harder to find markets that you're like, this is a newer market and these are newer bartenders because people have moved to these markets and have spread their cocktail uh, influence. So that becomes now it's the level of competition is is ramping up ramping up there's some you know markets uh that are starting that are really growing still so things like charleston we had a lot more new bartenders or people who are more new to craft um and that was exciting but as we look at globally we're now seeing kind of where these countries are and how they're developing their community 
and they're going through a lot of the same issues we had, you know, even with the invention of the internet where people can really share ideas and see what's happening. That's one part why they're reaching out to us to come to their community and help solve some of those same issues of, of how are we uh, opening up what craft cocktail bartending means, who should and, and could be a part of it, which should be everyone, and how we start engaging communities who have felt um, left out of that. And I think Speed Rack brings that message. And it's it's really, really interesting. You know, when Ivy and I do prelims, we can always just tell kind of where a community is at in their journey. And it's really exciting to know we're going to see where they're going to be in a couple of years and how that community is going to grow. And then uh, indoctrinating those competitors into our Speed Rack world is just another way that they can advance faster, quicker, and uh, make those changes. And it's, it's really exciting. Yeah, I mean... The, the growth of Speed Rack internationally has been such an amazing thing to see and to watch. And I think that the really amazing thing now is just how much interest we've had from other countries. And I'm really excited to kind of bring Speed Rack and this message to places that maybe even like five years ago, people were like, nah, nah. Like the same thing we heard 10 years ago here. We were told we there are not enough women to make this work. And then guess what? There are. So we're going to other parts in the world right now. And what's really cool is that there's a lot of men who are the most excited about bringing us. So like, we want to do this for our community. I'm like, right on. That's what this is all about. And, you know, we mentioned the gap year uh, a moment ago. Uh, and understandably, there was a pause for in-person competition with the COVID shutdown starting in 2020. You resumed in-person events not long ago, and you're wrapping up season 10, as we mentioned. How did you keep the Speed Rack institution alive and engaged and supportive during those many months when we were keeping physically distant from each other? We did a few different things. I mean, A, we just had to sit back. We literally shut down different cities on our speed rack tour trying to finish the season. We did Boston, and then we were like, okay, next weekend we're going to do New Orleans. And we were in New Orleans when New Orleans actually shut down, like doing our event, and then Lynette and I had to hop on an airplane and get home. It was crazy. And we did at first a few different things revolving around what we call the Speed Rack Academy. So a lot of online classes that we focus in on trying to give people that that outlet, that education center, which was so missed during the pandemic. And that was really successful. And then we started something called the advisory squad, which was an advisory kind of like mentorship, pairing different women in different categories throughout our industry, throughout the U.S. and also abroad. <laughs> We've had some pretty amazing stories. I was a mentor in our Latin American version of it and had an amazing time. And it really was a way to, because we were all kind of locked at home, a way to hunker in on concepts and getting moving towards those ideas and those concepts and making them actualities. It was amazing. And as I mentioned, you know, we're now in season 10. You're heading toward the national finals in New Orleans in July. You just wrapped up the last event of season 10 before the finals in Puerto Rico. How how was that? How Was this the first year doing the competition in Puerto Rico? Yeah, this was our first time going down to Puerto Rico, our second Spanish language competition, predominantly Spanish language. Uh, we did Mexico in uh, 2019, and we're returning to Mexico this year uh, in October. And it was it was fun to bring the community. It's, it, we actually had women from uh, the Puerto Rican community reach out to us years ago. Actually, now one of them is sponsoring a house at Tales and is really excited to you know to have the community growing and being a part. Um, but you know, Puerto Rico has so much attention. So many people have been going down there. The group from La Factoria who run uh, Roberto Bernadicia, who runs the Puerto Rico Cocktail Week with a woman named Deliana Olmo, they wanted to bring basically do a summer session and base it all around speed rack and so 
they were like, let's do some seminars and education and some pop-ups and have, you know, this competition because we feel that right now, especially everyone rebuilding and rebuilding communities and, you know, specifically Puerto Rico because of its proximity to the U.S. and, and, and what happens is a lot of people leave these places, you know, uh, we've seen in big cities, you know, the pandemic kind of created uh, these kind of mass exodus. So the community that stayed really wanted to grow. Um, and so they're putting it back in their community. They're like, what, how do we, you know, A, bring more people in? You know, a lot of the bartenders who were competing have come from other industries and just starting in hospitality. And so there's this idea of you have to rebuild, regrow, re-energize. And so it was a really wonderful opportunity to have that. And we're really excited to now have them in the family and have this uh, great relationship. And it was important then to bring that competitor to the U.S. and really bring that idea of like, we are all together and this is an extension of who we are. So we're really, really excited for that. And the weather will be very much like New Orleans and Puerto Rico. So it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, on, on track for New Orleans, you also have Speed Rack Redemption. Is that correct? This is going to be... I, I can't even do justice explaining what this is. Could you tell me a little bit more what this is? Because I was looking at it online. I thought this sounds really cool. All right. I'll have to kind of jump in here because I'm 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 the notorious one in this relationship who like loves, you know, competition TV, which has always come through. So I was like, what if, you know, there are just so many restrictions. Things are complicated as we were trying to figure out what to do. Um, this past year has been complicated of like shutdowns, not shutdowns. So we were trying to think of a time and a plan. We're like, yes, we know New Orleans is happening, but trying to figure out how to do a tour between, you know, obviously the last Omicron explosion in December, January, just trying to fit that in. And everyone just rescheduled the entire world uh, from the past two years into the, the last five months. And also our, our bartenders are working so much and they're all stretched thin. So we're like, well, what if we can find a way for them to re-enter and redo and also give us a little bit of a celebration? So I was like, what if like a show like The Voice met a show like legendary which is the the one that's all about the voguing competition so like you have a house mother um you know who has their team and is coaching them and we're like okay well let's pick you know past winners who we think are who are still really big mentors and have the drive to take a team and encourage them on how to train how to work together and then we will open it up to anyone who's done speed rack in the last 10 years to re-enter, throw their hat in the ring, tell us their story, write it down and say what they, you know, getting those memories out of their brain of what they sat there being like, I know if I did this one thing differently, it could have been mine. And that kind of drive is amazing to watch. And so the videos that we saw, just watching people come for it and, and be hungry for it was, was really fun. And we have, uh, our teams are gonna be announced uh, between tomorrow and Monday, and we're really excited to see, you know, who's who's come back and and why, what motivation they have. So it's it's very exciting. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I think that you know, if you're doing speed rack, you are um, extremely competitive. Like you, sometimes people do speed rack, and you know, afterwards they're like, mm, I did it because I want to be. Part, but I'm not a very competitive person. This redemption round is like, you, this is like. The people who came out of retirement for it, it's hilarious. So um, it's going to be bring, it's going to be a really amazing season and like a bringing together of so many generations and so many people who are part of the Speed Racks family. Because we really, like, it is a family. Um, each season is such a family. And now this is like a, 
it's like a massive family reunion. It's going to be great. And our brands are really excited too, which is great. The house is um, at all of these companies is pretty much someone who's done speed rack. Um, so it's actually being peer led by women who have competed in speed rack. So that's also really fun to see how the communities are going to come together. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now, as I mentioned at the outset, you know, SpeedRack is a way to raise funds for and draw attention to charities supporting breast cancer research. What are some of the beneficiaries that you've selected over the years and, and what is it about their work that you found so compelling? Sure. So we have uh, quite a few. Share Cancer Support was one of the very first charities that we reached out to. We actually met them through uh, Melanie Young and we met her at Tails and she talked about this charity that really helped her. She actually was diagnosed with breast cancer shortly after leaving Tails one year. And she said that this this organization that was run by survivors, which is about helping you just go through all the things, get recommendations for who do you talk to, what do your doctors mean, um, and really having this hotline and a, and a resource for women going through this incredible time just to have that community and so that really resonated with us as something that was really important um, they also focus on medically underserved communities so their mission is connect these women with that unique supportive survivors and peers you know to help them get through something that's so you know not everyone you know can talk to you about it so having that resource then we also work with a lot uh, one of our other big main beneficiaries is the pink agenda and the pink agenda we actually followed a researcher from avon over to the pink agenda which is how we met them and that researcher we were introduced to him by a barner of distilled and he was a regular at distilled and michaela piccolo was competing and that year and they're like hey one of our regulars is a researcher in breast cancer and he's so excited for this so we chatted with him and did a year with avon and then he went over to the Pink Agenda and is really working to raise money for breast cancer research and care, and they do incredible research. They have everything from some of the projects looking at racial disparities in breast cancer and really deep dive into these. They really also raise a lot of awareness of the disease amongst young professionals. So it's very peer-led in our way that they find young professionals who want to be involved in charity organizations and they lead these events that are just really like us. They're fun, they're they're vibrant, and they're doing, they have a cause. Bright Pink is one of the other organizations based in Chicago that their big thing is just letting people know that, you know, as many as 20% of women in the U.S. are at an elevated risk of breast and ovarian cancers, and most people don't know about it, so they're really about amplifying it and being a national profit to let women know about the risks and how they can make sure that they're thinking about this as well. And then one of the other big ones we worked with was the Breast Cancer Emergency Fund, which uh, is an organization that was brought to us by actually Dominique Crenn when we were doing San Francisco one year, and this was a really important group for her and we have really appreciated them. They provide quick and compassionate emergency financial system to low-income people battling breast cancer just to cover the basic human needs and she found that they were just a incredible group. So those are kind of the big highlights but uh, you know we have then a bunch of other sub groups like Dana-Farber, we specific because they have great research, uh, the MSK, the Memorial Sloan Kettering, Estee Lauder Fund. So you'll find them on our site. We try to help a bunch of different organizations in many different ways and and these are ones that have embraced us and our message. And, and that's, that was also really important because it was, you know, sometimes very hard to get people to want to understand how we can work together. But it's been a great relationship with these charities. 
And one last thing, you know, we're, we're moving toward the national finals, uh, as we mentioned. What should we anticipate then? And what should we anticipate from season 11, looking ahead into the next year? Where are you guys going? What's what's the plan? Yeah, well, I mean, for the finals here in New Orleans that are going to be happening um, on July 24th, I think just expect as much, um, you know, enthusiasm and excitement as, as you can imagine. I mean, people who have been waiting, some in some cases, like, six, seven, eight, nine years to get their chance. Like, it's going to be really high energy. And, like, every day that we do Speed Rack, everyone always says, oh, like, I love Speed Rack Day. It's my favorite day of the year. Like, just just now in Puerto Rico, one of our competitors, Madeline Kay, which is, she works for Quantro now, and she was like, oh, I just, I just love Speed Rack Day. It's the best day. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so imagine, like, all those people. As far as, you know, season 11, that's still under the hat a little bit at the moment, you know, trying to figure out what would a little bit more global expansion, what that will look like. But we're really excited about about the future and what and what we're going to do. Great. Well, Ivy, Lynette, it is always my sincere pleasure to talk to both of you and to be a part of Speed Rack and to support in any way I can. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. And I look forward to seeing you guys in New Orleans. We can't wait. <laughs> thanks paul thanks so much for having us on we love having you part of the speedback family head online to speed-rack.com for more details on the competition and follow along on instagram just look for the links in this episode's notes to get you there and that's it for this round be sure to subscribe to Radio Imbibe on your favorite podcast app to keep up with future episodes. We've got tons of cocktail recipes and drinks ideas for you on our website at imbibemagazine.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and Facebook to keep up with our day-to-day -day coverage. And if you're not already a subscriber to the print and or digital issues of Imbibe, then let's get on that. Just follow the link in this episode's notes and we'll be happy to help you out. I'm Paul Clark. This is Radio Imbibe. Catch you next time.